You're listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by RICO, your local guide for all things real estate investing in Colorado. What's up, Colorado? Chris Lopez here. And today I'm going to talk to you about my updated investing strategy because the market has changed and my investing strategy has to change and pivot with that. And what's prompted that update is that we have published our 2022 annual guide to Colorado Real Estate Investing Strategies book. So this is our fourth edition. The goal is that every year we publish a book. And what makes it unique is that this is a crowdsource book. It's written by different investors around Colorado. In this year's edition, we have about 40 investors, all walks of life, all investing with different strategies. So a ton of great information here. And pretty much all these people are local here to our market. So great to learn and great to network. So if you want to grab a copy of the book, all the details are in the show notes below. Make sure you grab one and read and network. So I read my chapter again right before recording this podcast. And it's always so interesting to go in there and read what I wrote, I don't know, probably nine months ago. And, you know, I've changed, but more so the market has changed. And this was what I mentioned in the beginning of the chapters. What are you doing? What am I doing to go out there and change my investing strategy? Because I always say it's a matter of when, not if. When something goes bad with your rental property, not if. When the market changes, when interest rates changes, and this is a W-H-E-N, this is a win moment. Things have changed, and this is the new market we are in. So there's two things that you can do here, and this is a great mindset tip. The first one is have what I call the winner's mindset, and that's just the mindset of, hey, things have changed, you acknowledge the reality of it, and you say, how can I go out there and make money? How can I go out there and invest? And you have a problem or have a solution-oriented uh, mindset to go out there and figure out how you can pivot and work and adapt to the new market. Because guess what? No matter how much you want or how much you complain, the market doesn't care and the market is not changing. So this kind of leads us to the second option. And I call it the pity, pot, pity party option. And this is an option I don't recommend going into, but it's also easy for your mindset and that inner voice to kind of start creeping towards. And that pity party is a oh, prices are high, oh, interest rates have gone up, oh, I missed the boat, woulda, coulda, shoulda. You know what? Should you bought six months ago in the idea world? Yeah, maybe a little better interest rate, but things have changed. And you know what? Successful investors from like small investors to institutional investors, they're still out there investing. I would take a note from what they're doing because if they're out there investing and they are smarter and more money than a lot of us do, probably a good idea to take their lead. All right, so just a friendly reminder on there about your mindset. So make sure you're focused on the, how can I go out there and pivot? How can I adapt? And don't go down that negative self-talk route. So something I'm looking at a lot more and talking with my clients about is really focusing on what the real return generated is. Because yes, interest rates have gone up, cash flow has gone down. So that makes returns go down as well. But here's the thing, you're borrowing at 6%. Let's say that's the cost to borrow right now, 6%. Well, if I'm going out there and making 15% or 20% return on that money, what's the spread? Well, if I'm making 16%, 16 minus six, I'm still making a greater return than my borrowing cost. And so I think this is a very, very critical concept for many investors to focus on. And you can't just look at cash flow, but really start looking at those four ways to make money and looking at 
one of my favorite metrics, internal rate of return. What's the real return you're making on there? Because if that return is a lot greater than what you're borrowing at, it still makes sense to go out there to invest. Now, if you're borrowing at 10% and you're making 5%, yes, you're, you have a negative 5% return. Not an ideal situation. But in this environment, we can still borrow for relatively cheap, especially look at the historical 50 years of interest rates. We're still at a very cheap interest rate, historically speaking, and we can still make a much greater return on there. And like, you know, the mid teens, the mid twenties is a lot of times what we're seeing across different investments. So a great thing to focus on is what is your expected or your estimated real return? And that's your return you're generating minus the borrowing cost. Don't just get fixated on the interest rate cost. So how have I adapted my goals when the market has changed like it has? Well, a big thing I want to focus on is that I'm still, st still staying very opportunistic. I talk about this a lot and I try to live it, but always be opportunistic. And when an opportunity comes along, say yes. Don't think about it. Don't hem and haw about it, but say yes. And that opportunistic mindset has had a big pivot for me in my business and also my investing. So how has my strategy pivoted? Well, a big part of that is going with one of my core concepts, which is always being opportunistic. And when a great opportunity comes across your plate, you just say yes. And I was very fortunate to have a great opportunity come across to my plate earlier this year. This was actually back in early April. I was just about to turn 40 and heading out to a weekend 40th birthday with my wife. And I connected with Lon Welsh as he was pivoting into a new business and investing space with Ironton Capital. That's his new business to go out there and help people passively invest in real estate. So I had this great opportunity to invest with Lon. That's a no-brainer, yes. And I had a great opportunity to work with Lon. No-brainer, absolute yes. So that came across my radar in April and has a big impact on some of my business focus, but more so on my investing focus because I've been able to get mentored by Alon a lot more and get great insight into how his brain is working and how his brain is adapting to this market. So the first part of my strategy is liquidity. This isn't the most exciting part of real estate investing, but being liquid is one of the most critical parts of it. How much cash do you have in the bank? How much cash do you have access to? This goes back to the when something bad happens and something I have learned over the years of running businesses and talking to a lot of investors, the people that can ride the rough times or go through a couple months of like the hard or negative cash flow cycles, they're the ones that come in on top. So staying liquid is very, very important. So very first thing to do is have a reality check, sit down, log in your bank accounts, go to your spreadsheets and realize how much liquidity you have. So where my strategy shifted towards now is I'm keeping about four months worth of cash in the bank. And this is just a combination between checking savings accounts. So that's, you know, zero to like 1.5% in interest rate, which is not keeping up with inflation. And I am fine with that because that cash in the bank is my insurance policy. That's my emergency fund that allows me to go through any rough times. So that's the first layer. Now, the second layer, and this is really where things have changed. I used to keep more cash in the bank. So now rather than keeping more cash in the bank, that second tier liquidity is actually going to an income fund. And this is something that I've learned through Lawn and Iron and Capital is that there's different funds out there, investing opportunities to get a lot of the benefits of real estate investing, but stay a lot more liquid. Like one of the funds he's working on there, the short-term income fund should generate about a six to 7% annual return. 
but it's liquid within like a 30 day to 90 day notice. So very well diversified, relatively very safe and relatively high liquidity. So I'm putting that as my second tier into my reserves. And that will be, you know, three to six months in there. Not quite sure how much I'm putting there, but three to six additional months on top of that cash from the bank. Anything greater than that then goes into my longer term investments of buying more real estate or putting more money in the stock market. And a trend I've been going on is every year I put less and less of my portfolio and money into stocks. Just with all the underlying fundamentals of it, I have a harder time keeping that high of an allocation in there. So I'm putting more of my money into real estate. And I talked a lot about how I used to keep a lot of my money into like a stock market for that second tier type reserves. I still have money in there by moving some of that money over towards an income fund. So I have liquidity and more of a guaranteed return because the stock market, you still have that roller coaster effect. And another note on that is I put a HELOC on my primary residence. The HELOC is a home equity line of credit. So I have no desire to move. You know, I'm staying in this house for a while. Got my wife, got my kids. They're starting school there. So we're staying here for a bit. But what has changed is the appreciation of the market. So I have a very low fixed 30-year interest rate that I got with Joe a couple of years ago. And I want to put a HELOC on top of it. So I talked to a bunch of banks and I found a great uh, local uh, credit union that'll go up to 100% combined LTV. And they're like prime plus half a point in interest rate. So that opened up a lot of liquidity there for me. Now, right now I'm sitting on that just to kind of stay conservative and safe, but I'm using that to help stay liquid and go out there and stay on the offensive to go out there and continue to invest. Again, if I'm borrowing at, I don't know, maybe 6% right now, I'm getting a greater return than 6%. So I am fine with that spread. That's why I don't get too fixated on what my borrowing costs are, but I stay fixated on what's my true expected return. If you need some recommendations on people to talk to for HELOCs, second positions on primaries or investment properties, reach out to me. I got a great list of people that I'm happy to share. So the next part of my strategy is buying rental properties. So in my 2022 chapter, I wrote that my goal is to go out there and buy two rental properties. Now I've adjusted that to one rental property, potentially zero. But as of now, I'm targeting buying rental property in quarter four this year. So why am I reducing the number of rentals that I am buying? Well, it has to do with the changing, the, the changing marketplace. I own a business that is tied to the real estate sector. So right now, as the market shifted, our revenue shifted as well. That means it slowed down. So priority number one for me is you know day-to-day income and day-to-day business operations. So I want to stay very liquid and very conservative to make sure there's I can handle any hiccups that come along from the business aspect of it. So that takes less cash over my overall portfolio, my overall you know bank accounts that I want to invest in real estate. And so this is not the fact that the real estate market has changed. It's more the impact about what I need to do personally. And this is another pro tip for people to stay focused on. Look at the market, adapt to that, but also adapt to what your market, your job, your business is. I have seen my revenue drop off. That's fine. I can handle that. But that's having a ripple effect on how I'm out there deploying other parts of my cash. So last year, I started to invest passively into real estate, you know, into syndications, into projects, into real estate funds. So very different than owning direct rental properties. And I'm actually making that a bigger allocation of my investment portfolio. So I got two main reasons for this. 
One is, like I said earlier, I'm putting less of my portfolio into stocks and bonds for a variety of reasons. And so I want to put that money you know, back into real estate. And I'm very, very bullish on real estate. I want to keep investing in more real estate. The second is I've learned more about the benefits of it. I really like investing like my IRA or 401k funds into syndications and funds uh, versus a stock market. So while I'm doing a lot less stock investing, a lot of that money, especially through my retirement accounts, is being redirected towards investing passively. So this has been a combination of like me learning. I did a lot of the multifamily mentor shows on Bigger Pockets last year, learned a lot from all those investors. So that had a big impact on my mentality and seeing the options out there. And of course, working with Lon and Iron and Capital, I learned so much more about that world and really got into the details of the underwriting and really like the fundamentals and how that works. So for my strategy, I'm actually putting a lot of my retirement funds, and this is in the 401ks and IRAs, into investing into uh, funds like Iron and Capital. Why? Well, normally I'd put that money in the stocks market, which I don't really want to do anymore. And buying rental properties through IRAs and 401ks is just really tough. Uh, in a nutshell, the leverage you get, the loan terms you get, just really stink and make it really, really hard to go out there and have it make financial sense to go out there and buy a rental property in your IRA or your 401k. Now, where it makes a lot of sense is by doing some passive investing, because rather than putting you know $50,000 in the stock market, you can put $50,000 in the project. And I get the benefits of real estate, but I don't have the headaches of having to figure out loan and leverage options through my self-directed IRA or my solo 401k. That's something that the project sponsor or fund manager on the passive side does. So I really liked incorporating that into my strategy. And that's probably been the biggest shift is that reallocation of a lot of my retirement funds back into the real estate market via like syndications and investing into funds. Now, tons of podcasts have come out on that with Lon Welsh on investing passively. So make sure you check those out. We have a lot more coming out, you're coming out as well. And if you have any questions on how to invest, you want to revisit your investing strategy, please reach out to me. I love talking about this. I love looking at like the global view of rentals, liquidity, passive investing. It's a fun chess game to play. Or if you need help with what trustees or who to talk to for some self-directed IRA or 401k, reach out to me. I've talked to a bunch of people last 18 months. I can definitely give you some good names. But most importantly, I'll leave you with this. No matter what you've done, in the last year or two and what you wrote down earlier for your goals, make sure you take the time to come back and pivot, reevaluate your goals. What are you doing to make money in today's market? So I'd love to hear about your goals or if you need help refining them, hit me up, email me, chris at envisionrea.com or find me on social, the email, the social links, they're all in the show notes below, but please reach out. And make sure you grab a copy of your 2022 book. And once you read it, do me a huge favor, go to Amazon, leave a five-star glowing review. Helps me, helps the book out. That's it for my goals. I'll see you next week. 